What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Panthers Nation Network. It is draft eve. Just a few just a few short hours away from, you know, where everyone's going to really be on the clock. And it's that eerie quiet where you're kind of waiting. Everyone, it's the, the calm before the storm, but really don't know what's going to happen. And, of course, something could happen here throughout, you know, the, the next few hours. You know, as we are in the mid, the early morning, things could still happen as we go throughout the rest of the day. But which could affect the entirety of what, you you know, could happen tomorrow. But, you know, we're, we're going to sit here and talk and do our, you know, our, our prediction, our, our, we are, our mock draft. We've got one written up for the, for what might occur or what we think is going to occur as we sit here waiting for, you know, tomorrow to come around. So we're going to kick it right off. And first off, how y'all feeling, you know, going into this? What? This is uh, this is uh, something. This is one of the most impact. Like Tyler said before, this is gonna be one of the most important drives in our team history because the direction that we take probably for the next three to four seasons hinges upon what we do in the upcoming in the upcoming hours heading into the draft. So I mean, I'm excited because I mean, either this is gonna be either they're gonna at least keep the ship steady or they're gonna it's gonna be a, be a train wreck or you could hit it out in the park. I mean, it's all types of possibilities. So, I mean, especially with the possibility of trading or of trading down, it's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in trying to predict the draft, it's really an impossible thing to do. Uh, every, you know, it's ever since I was younger, trying to predict how many picks you can get right. And you're lucky to get a handful, especially in the first round, man. Like, there's so much that can happen. And um, the moves that you think are going to be made don't happen. And the moves that you never expected um, are always going to play. So, uh, but you know, there's sometimes where there's there's it's chalk where where the draft is chalk, and it's exactly what we think, and it goes in some different spots like you think. But this year is not going to be that way. Last year, uh, a couple a couple of my friends talking about the bets they're placing last year and um, the money that, that that was to be had. But I'm like, well, good luck with that this year because nobody knows anything. Um, Aiden Hutchinson and and um, a Kwanu's agent. Uh, I don't remember his name, but he was on Twitter today and said, two days out and nobody knows what's happening. Doesn't know what's happening at the first overall pick and which changes the rest of the draft. So we'll get into the mock draft, which is going to be very rough, I'm sure, comparing after um, the point because, we're, again, we're not going to do any trades, not going to go down that path. But really look how things before the Panthers shape up and then after our pick, where it goes from there and then. Uh, the different possibilities in the later round. So really excited to get into it. Um, you guys know this is like my Christmas of the year. So uh, I'm uh, I'm on one this week and I'm ready to go. All right. So do you think it's harder to predict? Or do you think it's just as hard to predict a perfect first round as it would be to predict, you know, a perfect bracket for the March Madness? I'd be interested in uh, like trying to compare that. I think it's just it's. It might be harder. It might be harder. We, I, I can't. I, I highly doubt it's ever been done before. Just with the trades, you know, like that, that just changes everything. So, I guess you could compare those two, and both just very exciting. Exactly. I mean, that's what it is. That's what it's like for me, and it's it's getting to see. You know, it's it's something different. It's the cool thing that you know that encapsulates and kind of you know connects all sports. I mean, every single one has it. You know, no matter what you're doing, even in terms of like, you know, especially or at least in the United States now, obviously it's different in the way that, you know, soccer works and certain things of that nature. But at least in, you know, most sports around here, the big ones you've seen, the draft is there, the expansion drafts are there, and that's where you get a whole different kind of slew of things. I remember, especially with um, hockey, you know, growing last few years, those have always been fun to watch for the expansion drafts there. We haven't had one in the NFL, of course, since the Jags and, and the Texans. And of course, when we were when we first came around, so it's been just a minute. I would love to see an extra, you know, I, I would love to see another expansion draft in the future. But right now, we're going to focus on tomorrow's draft. So there's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of, you know, a lot of discussion because of the lack of QB talent, or at least the varying spots of where those QBs might fall this year. To where Tyler doesn't seem like a quarterback might go even in the first five. Yeah, it's really not looking like that. Uh, just with the nature of this class, it's not very top heavy. Like last year, we had all these quarterbacks coming out, like and it, it, you know, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, all these guys. And this year, it's not as starstruck, um, but it's strong in the trenches, strong between uh, the offensive and defensive lines, and really because of the nature of what happened 
um, with COVID and a lot of players getting that extra year, we got a lot of depth in the middle rounds just because there's more players overall in this draft. So because there's more, there's going to be more depth from rounds two to four than there would be in other years. So that's really going to be the sweet spot. And I think it's going to be interesting to see the trade back options that teams take um, because will teams want to take these high picks um, and really capitalize on them or move back, gain more capital and accumulate these mid round picks, especially with a lot of teams um, not having first round picks or some teams having multiple first round picks <clears throat> are reasons to trade back and accumulate those mid round assets. So it's um, a lot of, for a lot of teams this year, it's going to be put your head down, build through the trenches and do it that way. But um, yeah, I mean, the quarterback situation is it's, it's going to be the biggest thing to watch from this class, just like every class. But there are so many question marks, uh, so many guys that, hey, there is a chance with this guy, but we don't know how this could work out. So the quarterbacks and where they fall still yet to be known, um, but it's going to be the critical part of the draft. So with that in mind, break down that first pick for us. Right. So the first overall pick in this mock draft, two days out, if I had to predict what I think will happen, not what I would do. I have the Jaguars taking Trayvon Walker. So, yeah, Walker's the big favorite right now uh, for the first pick. Uh, as of uh, the past couple of days, all the Vegas betting odds have flipped in his favor, which is kind of wild um, because this whole time we thought it would be Aiden Hutchinson. Even past uh, during the college football season, we thought it would be Aiden Hutchinson. So, um, went with uh, Trayvon Walker, had the great testing, hasn't had the opportunity to pin his year back, years back and rush the passer. Um, but that's going to be the shakeup of the draft. Nobody knows what's happening at this point. It makes it really exciting for the fans. Um, but I have Trayvon Walker going here. And how would you guys feel about Hutchinson not being picked first? Me, I think it's just interesting. The the the, the time duration from this flip, I mean, the timing of how quick it went through, all we've been hearing about since we last talked about it, especially, and even before that, we talked about it, what, two weeks ago? And all we heard about, all we were hearing about was Hutchinson. And then in the span of, you know, that time frame and now just, you know, right before, I mean, you talked about, you said, you know, yesterday it was, it was looking that way. And then today it's the same thing, you know, the, the odds flipped. So it's crazy to see, you know, right before the draft, literally the night before it, to make that switch. And I, I want to, you know, Shantice was talking a little about it. Why do you think that switch came around? I think because we talked about going Trayvon Walker, like Tyler said, He's a, guy, he's a guy that tested really well. And a guy that at Georgia played behind a lot of great talents. So you didn't really get to see a lot of these guys really shine their, in their full form because you're playing with a bunch of five stars everywhere, everywhere across the field. So I think with him testing as well as he has, with him still having that potential, for me, he hasn't really scratched the surface of what he could possibly be yet. The, with, the, with the ceiling being as high as it is, the possibilities are endless. So, I mean, for a team – that's probably looking to make a big splash. Taking a guy like Trayvon Walker wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And I think you you can't miss on a guy that's that talented. I think, you, you know, Aiden Hutchinson seems more like the short thing. But at least with a guy that's that talented, you can at least let the, that that pick at least make sense to, to, to everyone in the room. Like having a guy that with that much talent, that much that, that he can improve upon, leads you, leads you to think that you could possibly get a bigger steal out of, out of that guy. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt with that one. And then so leading up to the Panthers pick then, um, after Trayvon Walker goes one to the Jaguars, I have the Lions in that two and taking Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, No-brainer pick for them. Um, stay up in, in Michigan and uh, solidify that that Dan Campbell-led team. Then at pick three, I have the Texans going Ahmad Gardner. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit. And then four, Jermaine Johnson to the Jets. Five, Akemi Kwanu to the Giants, and six, I have the Carolina Panthers taking Malik Willis. So looking at the Texans at pick three, uh, you know, they're a team that, hey, draft the best player available, um, and there's going to be a lot of different options that they can go with here. Um, it's going to really come down to the best corner on their board versus their best tackle. And I think um, in a league right now where uh, – you know, corners are at a premium with injuries, as we saw with the Ravens last year, get debacled. And it's just so hard to find that number one corner that you can trust on a week-to-week -week basis. I haven't gone Sauce Gardner here. This is a late change, um, something that we didn't really see coming for a while. But I think he's earned the right to be the third overall pick in the draft. And 
um, I think he warrants it here to the Texans. So uh, that that really sets things up then um, on the way to the Panthers as, hey, now we have tackles falling and we have quarterbacks falling as nobody goes in the top three. So like comparing to this year's top three to last year's top three with, with it being Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance is drastically different. So, you know, how do you guys perceive that top three and then how it affects us based on the way things are changing? Yeah, I think, like you said, I mean, Walker, if it's going to be Walker or Hutchinson, I think, going off the board at the top, unless by some insane turn of events, you know, there's, there's a changing in the tides and something else happens. And so I think, you know, whichever one of them goes first, I don't see a difference, you know, as to why one of them wouldn't go second, you know, I mean, it seems like, honestly, there are, you know, there are pros and cons for all four of them, Thibodeau, Johnson, Hutchinson, Walker, and they can each kind of fit into those systems and still perform, albeit we don't know how drastically different they would do. So I got to imagine if, you know, if it's not Walker or Hutchinson, it's Thibodeau or, or, or Johnson, you know, at least maybe if, if one of them could be a reach, though. I think those edges, like we said, you know, it's not as – because it's not the quarterback position, it's not so polarizing the differences between their output level. It's something that's just trying to, you know, add to the you already have on those rosters. With Gardner, I'm interested about that. I feel like cornerbacks going in the top 10 has not, you know, panned out super well as of late. I mean, we all know, of course, that it's nothing against JC, but, you know, the injury definitely didn't help him. And then we all know, of course, the Lions and their infamous pick, of um oh god help me re- refresh my memory of the jeff okuda yeah jeff okuda that early i believe that was what three or four if i'm not mistaken or maybe it was it, yeah and yeah we saw so I, I i feel wary about taking cornerbacks that high especially because of that position the 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 differences in how you're and how you played it in college versus who you're going to face in the nfl and Putting that much on a rookie cornerback, we've seen it with Dante. I mean, having to go up against—he was our number one guy his rookie year, going up against the number one receivers, and we saw how that panned out. So I feel like—I mean, the talent still wants to go that early. I personally would be wary to go that high, and even with JC, I was wary to take him at that at that high of a pick, just because of you know how much you're asking them to do that early on. And so I'll, I'll let Sean T's kind of take it from there. You know, I guess for me, me personally, I favor Derek Stingley a little bit more, just based off what what he did that freshman year. I know that's kind of and that's kind of a vision, and that's kind of that's in the past now, and he didn't have the greatest year this past season as well. So I mean, I I like Stingley more, but I mean Garner being that pick, I, I, I'll be honest when, when we when we get into taking corners, a corner at three again, it, it, that's your it, that's your team need, that's your team need, but again. It, I mean, we're splitting heads when we, when we talk about these two guys. We're, we're talking about uh, two guys. We talk about one guy in Stingley that has a great set of ball skills, can play the ball just as well as the receiver can when the ball's in the air. But we talk about a guy like Amar Gardner who didn't give up didn't give up a touchdown throughout throughout the entirety of his collegiate career. So you're talking about two guys that are very much accomplished that that very much have the skill set to play at this next level. So again, a corner, a corner at three, no problem with it, I guess. Yeah. So then for me, then the other two, I mean. Like I was saying, with Jermaine Johnson, I think that's, you know, if it's not Thibodeau, it's going to be Johnson. It's whatever edge that's on the board. Unless they, I could see them going for maybe a, a tackle if they wanted to, to, you know, try to solidify, you know, the, the line that they're trying to build around Wilson. But I could easily see them going defensively as well, knowing the count they're going to have to start facing in their division. The Bills being the way they are. The Dolphins gaining the firepower they've, you know, accrued and the Patriots – Lord knows what they're going to do year in and year out. So I could see that. And then, of course, I could obviously see the Giants screwing us over with Icky. It'd be the same thing as, you know, as as Penny last year, where it's right before. It's not to the point where it's it's surmisable for, I feel like, a trade ahead or there's not going to be a deal we're going to be able to get to make it work. But it's just going to be so aggravating because it's like it was right there and you, you could have it. And it's like we talked about, Tyler, you know, last time, especially. That kind of stuff concerns me because now at six, you'd have Willis Pickett, Charles Cross. You'd have Evan Neal. The the cards are in your hands. And 
we have to tra- and while I do trust Finber as a GM, it's still the issue of who is the like of the, the, the I want to see the, the you know the pie graph of who has the, the percentages of decision making when they come to that time in the war room because if there is any you know if it leans one way or the other, I just I don't know who makes that decision. And of course, we've talked about it. Will seems like the no-brainer, but it almost seems like too much of a no-brainer for them to for them to do right. So, Shanti, like I guess that I take issue, not issue with the fix leading up to it, because I think that'll happen. But I take issue because now that places all of the you know all of the glory and then all of the you know all of the misery right in our hands. There's no one else to blame. Yeah, yeah, I'm like. I'm worried about what we're gonna do, man. I'll be, I'll be honest. I just, I just don't have any idea what, what they're looking for. I mean, I'll be honest. If, it, if it's up to what I think the coaches want, I think Kenny Pick is gonna be the guy. I think Kenny Pick is the guy that they, they will prefer, they will prefer to have. Even though you know we've heard McAdoo talk about wanting to roll with, the, roll with the guy with the upside. At, at the end of the day, I mean, it's one of those things. Where this, this would be the right decision. This would be the only guy I can see taking all that mantle of being a franchise guy and possibly leading you for the next 10 years with his ability that, and, and my view, and, and he, does, he does need some growth. He does, does need some, some growth, but I think he's a guy that can keep you employed for quite some time, much like we had in the last guy in Cam that kept, that kept a lot of coaches with jobs for, for plenty of years. I don't think you got to get that from a guy like Kenny Pig. I think he'll, he'll be a guy that may be serviceable for you early on, but if, if, Will, if Willis is there, you can't miss on a guy that has that much potential at playing at playing at this high level in this game. Yeah. So before this Panthers pick, like that is a pretty a pretty solid a uh, couple picks before us, where we have a choice at two of the best offensive, two of the three best offensive tackles in the class, with Icky almost falling to us, all the quarterbacks. Uh, this is because really we're we're not taking an edge rusher. Um, at six and we're not taking a corner so the more that we can get other players pushed down the board um, is going to be ideal for us especially if we are looking to make that move um, again here I have them going Malik Willis um, it just seems like it just seems like it's going to happen that, that's that's just the thing that's just just such a Panthers move um, I, I've been hearing I've always thought Kenny Pickett but lately I've been hearing that, hey, they're not in on Kenny Pickett. But you do got to be careful in these couple days leading up to the draft with all the smoke screens and all the news flying around about this and that. And you got to be careful who you're listening to. But as it stands right now, we know the Panthers are drafting a quarterback at some point. I have them doing it right here with Malik Willis. You know, they're the, one of the only three teams that had like five plus uh, quarterback top 30 visits. They met with a bunch of them six of them actually and uh so there's no secret they're looking to add somebody it's easiest to do it here um but the options and the, the way that this thing turns out is is endless because people are talking about trade out trade out for all these different teams in the draft especially us but it's like well who's gonna actually come up that's the thing about it is yeah, people talk about trading back all the time but there may not always be somebody that wants to come up. So that might make it tough on us, might make it tough on Scott Fitterer. Um, so my question to you guys is, how would you rank and how would you feel about these outcomes? One, Panthers draft Malik Willis. Two, Panthers draft Kenny Pickett. Three, they draft the best tackle. And then four, they trade back. So two options of the quarterbacks, take it and tackle or trade them back. How, do you, how would you rank all those and how you would feel during the draft? I'd say my ideal situation, and if we could do it, I mean, you know, from the way you've got it set up, like, we could talk a little bit about it, but we've got to set up, you know, Neil and Cross go a few picks after us. So if it were, I feel like when you're within the same five picks, trading, you know, you're not getting a whole lot for that pick other than you're just like, all right, you're going to, it's more of like a, we know who we want to take, we know who you want to take, so we promise we won't take that guy. And the person next to you won't take that guy. So let's switch that. Like if you're going that small of an amount, you're not going to get that much in the back end. Because the ideal scenario would be three and four, getting uh, draft, drafting the best tackle available and do, trading back to do so, so you could add some draft capital. I think would be the best lo- long term idea for all of them. Now, worst case would or 
I guess the only way I'd be okay with, worst case is, is, is getting picket, in my in my opinion. Worst case is getting picket. And the only way I'm okay with getting picket is if we were to trade back to do so and then add some capital, you know, further along because Fitter has shown he can still make some of those guys in those later days, you know, serviceable for this organization. And we've seen that happen in our organization over time. Um, you know, focusing on, on Willis, I, I, I'm trying to think of ways to say something different than we've already kind of said. I mean, unfortunately, with the lack of things that are going to have that would, while there have been things happening, you know, the lack of things happening has led us to hammer this decision, you know, into the ground and this idea into the ground. So, I mean, people, you know, that listen, they, they know my stance on it. I like Willis. I, I think he has the most upside out of all these guys. I think he is your be, your best chance for someone who is going to continue to perform down the line. Like we said, I think Pickett's probably the more ready one as of right now. I don't trust either of them in the hands of the of the powers that be and who we have in our staff. I just I don't see them. I mean, they've shown nothing, especially now. Especially Brady was a big part of it in my mind, or at least I thought it was. You know, and we'll have to see how McAdoo can do. But neither of them has shown any ability to cultivate and continue to develop talent at all. Rule has done nothing to show for that. Anyone who has developed has done so in spite of the decisions he has made, in my opinion. So I don't really like either of them. So if I have to pick a decision, I mean, I've been spitting this since we've started this podcast. Take your best tackle available. If Cross and Neil are on the board, I, I, I see no issue with sticking with Sam for another year. Or, you know, I guess gambling on whoever these vet, you know, whatever veteran quarterbacks are out on the plate than drafting guys who, yes, can be franchise guys, but not with this is this is my this is my the way I'll lead it. The quarterbacks on the board right now, and I also ultimately also think the quarterbacks that are free agents, they are all have the potential to be franchise quarterbacks, but not for the franchise we have in place, as it is right now. So that's that. That's my two cents on it. Is that if you can go with three and four trade back and get me the best offensive tackle on the board, that is you know trying to stick within the the, the three or four that we've been talking about, Icky, Neil, Cross, you know some of those guys, not too far out of that you know out of that price range. That's that's what'll that's what'll satisfy. Read the options out again. I guess. <laughs> four. That was a lot. Take Kenny Pickett. Take Malik Willis. Trade back. Drop the best tackle. I gotta go with the trade. I got, you know what? I'll go with the best tackle because, at least in Scott Fitterer's mind, he felt that getting C.J. Henderson was worth that third round pick. So with him saying that, cool. We don't, we don't, we don't get a third round pick if we can get the best tackle available and possibly figure something out because there's gonna be a move made in that quarterback room at some point. Take the best tackle, and hopefully you have a guy that can be a staple for your line for the next decade. Because that, to me, that's going to be more important than – it's not going to be more important, but it's just – it's a lot easier to figure out the rest if the line's stable. And that's something we haven't had in quite some time. So, you know, hopefully we can bring a quarterback in, possibly go sign a Baker Mayfield, possibly go get a Jimmy Garoppolo, add one of those guys with the offensive line that's a, that's, that's – more reassured than, than it was the year before with the, with the skill position guys that we have something could possibly happen and possibly shake in our favor possibly get a wild card with with a guy that's already ready to go right now and instead of the guy we have to teach even though, even though i do want to move forward with the, with the franchise and the only way we're going to truly move forward is by getting the next franchise quarterback it this year may not be the year for that but Shanti's, i would make that argument that you're saying you, know, you said it's not more important uh, i think it is more important I mean, to, like, you can break it down. Obviously, Jake DeLome had a huge impact and had a, an insane impact on his organization. But what was he without Jordan Gross? And what was, like, you take two different quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Jake DeLome, and people put them up there at the same, literally, neck and neck in terms of what they meant to this franchise. And we can and say what you will, but one of those quarterbacks is inc- has incredibly more raw talent and was just a flat-out better quarterback overall than the other. No matter what you want to say about the genre, the time 
and the era of the team. I'm sorry, one of them just was. But what did that mean without a stable offensive line and a staple at left tackle? In the 13 to 14 different left tackles he saw throughout the entirety of his career, as opposed to Jordan Gross, who had guys like Kevin Donnelly, Jordan Gross, Ryan Khalil, all their line. Cam had them, but at the tail ends of their careers, and they were the only things keeping him afloat in the time frames that they were still playing. So I don't think it's far off to say that a offensive tackle would be more important to you right now than than a quarterback. I just because it's it's like again it's like we said Willis and these guys we have right now versus Baker or Jimmy and the guys we have right now plus Icky or Evan or even Sam with one of those guys looks a whole lot better than trying to put stick Charlie Brown back there for everyone to come out and tackle is my is my two cents on on the on the matter. But I'll let you finish the conversation at least for the first pick. Right. It's it's an interesting discussion. It's a pivotal discussion. We talked about it. It's going to set the tone. Uh, quarterbacks are hard to get. Starting offensive tackles are hard to get. Starting corners are hard to get. And we know this. So, like we know, it's a tough spot. But keeping this thing going, uh, at seven overall, we have Kayvon Thibodeau. The fall ends here with him going to the Giants. Eight, we have the Falcons take, taking Garrett Wilson. Nine, we have the Seahawks taking Evan Neal. Ten, we have the Jets taking Charles Cross. Eleven, the Commanders going Derek Stingley. And pick 12, the Vikings going Jordan Davis. So, for me, what stands out here is Evan Neal falling to the Seahawks at nine. Uh, after that rust trade, it was not the greatest return on the trade for the Seahawks. Nothing that really got Seahawks fans fired up. And, um, you know, sitting at the ninth pick here, it's kind of in a tough spot where you know you're rebuilding. You know, if this is a, a lateral move that's not getting you anywhere. But to get a, a tackle like Evan Neal at the ninth pick um, in this draft where um, he should be a lot higher um, compared to the talent around him. But getting him at nine overall in this year's class, I think, is a win for them. Um, after they made the trade, they finally get – their offensive tackle for the future, somebody that can play on both sides, and, um, you know, a very solid pick there at nine. So out of that last group for you guys, between picks seven and 12 that I just read off, what stands out to you and what, what were you shocked to see? So I, first off, I think it's, like, it's funny that they, after Russell suffered for so long behind, you know, a, a, a almost a dingy of an offensive line, then they go and get their offensive linemen for the future, it seems like just more of a slap in the face to them. I'm interested in Garrett Wilson, though, to the Falcons. I mean, you don't have Ridley, obviously. You know, I don't think Julio makes a return there. So you have Kyle Fitz there for a weapon, but you need to get Mariota weapons. So I've been interested, you know, to have the, the the duo of Wilson and Pitts kind of taking over there in Atlanta. That that would, you know, it's not obviously going to mean as much without Matt Ryan, but it definitely gives Mariota a, a nice way to start out his tenure there. I, I think my biggest my biggest splash here is probably the Jets getting Charles Cross, you know, finally getting that love tackle to you know having Makai Becton who is going to be coming off an injury, and Charles Cross, they'll be a, I mean a, a, sure enough they're offensive line for a young quarterback a, a quarterback that struggled last year with staying healthy so bringing up re up uh, re upping on that offensive line is going to be pivotal for them, and possibly moving forward with you know. They're one of the teams that, that I would think will be interested in trading for Debo Samuel. So if they're able to pull off something, something in that realm, adding a adding a key weapon like that alongside adding a, a pivotal offensive line piece could mean a, could mean a lot for them in, in the division. Now that's more so not wide open because the Bills are the best team in that division. In that division, but there's a chance for improvement there for the Jets. And it's funny that you talk about the Jets. I just got a notification that there's a really strong chance that Debo gets traded for that 10th pick. Um, not Nothing official, nothing confirmed, but that's just some of the word on the street right now with the Jets, who there's no secret. They've been in every receiver conversation when it comes to Tyreek Hill, to Debo Samuel, um, you know, Mike LaFleur, their, LaFleur, their offensive coordinator, uh, comes from that Shanahan tree, and uh, he's going to know, and he's going to have a plan for him. And so – uh, we'll see if that works out there, but that's a connection to watch for. And so that might be the Niners picking there at 10, uh, always sneaking their way up into the top of the draft here. And, uh, uh, so, hey, maybe they're, a guy, maybe they're a team, if that's the Niners picking there, a team to look for at maybe taking Traylon Burks or uh, to fill that Debo role um, as best as possible or 
uh, make another splash that we might not see coming. So there's going to be some <laughs> there's twists and turns, especially with current players being traded. That's always a possibility. And Debo is definitely the hottest name on the block. So we'll see what happens with that. But it doesn't look like he's going to be in Carolina. <laughs> hey, well, if the if the 49ers were, were to go at that 10th pick, would Jameson Williams not be in play for them? See, I wouldn't rule it out. I would not rule it out because um, the receiver, the receivers are going to get pushed off the board. You see, with with all these receiver contracts that lately that have been getting tossed out, it's like, well, it's hard to hard to pay these guys and hard to buckle up for free agent receivers anymore. So it's like, go get your guy in the draft. So absolutely, absolutely, I can see that. So then, taking a look at it as you go along, we'll take a look. Kind of go through here and sit at some of our, you know, rival teams and see what they go along with. So you said Kyle Hamilton to the Texans, Trent McDuffie to the Ravens, Eagles getting Jamison Williams, Saints getting Kenny Pickett, Chargers getting Trevor Penning, another tackle going off the board, Eagles again, so many two teams with two picks in this first round, Andrew Booth for the Eagles, and then Drake London for the Saints, and finishing out Desmond Ritter to the Steelers. So talk a little bit about the Saints there. That that'd be interesting for them, you know, taking the how does their decision affect how is their decision affected by ours, especially with having those two picks? You know, when the Saints made the trade, I thought they were uh, uh, giving themselves a chance to trade up and giving themselves a chance to get a quarterback in the top ten. But really, now that I look at it, I think they just like a lot of guys in that range in this class. So if you do. You feel like there's a good shot that, hey, maybe there's four guys that are there. Um, we give ourselves another chance at a first-round pick to get one of them. And if that's how they feel, that's how they're going to do it. But if they're sitting there with that first pick of theirs, um, and there's a quarterback that they like, and I can see Kenny Pickett being the guy for them, being able to step in and run the offense right away and um, make things productive from day one, I don't see why you take him, which it would be fun to watch uh, if, if the Panthers ended with Malik Willis and – they had Pickett and watched their careers develop. It would be kind of kind of scary to watch, <laughs> kind of nerve-wracking to see like who turns out better. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely a quarterback-needed team. Have two first-round picks, and we got to see how how it falls down. But you know, these quarterbacks, there's not a clear clear landing spot for them. I think there's a very good shot still that the Panthers trade out or just sit there and take a tackle. And in that case, it's like, well, where do these quarterbacks keep falling to? At some point, it's going to stop. So I think here with the Saints. They had Kenny Pickett, and we're going to be competing with uh, Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett in this example. I guess for me, Desmond Ritter going as high as 20 in that first round. That's I, I, He's been slain as a second-round pick. I have him as a, as, as a early second-round second pick. Do you think the Seals will realistically trade up for Desmond Ritter? Well, not trade up. Do you think they would reach that high up to, to grab him if he's not necessarily a guy that most people see as a first-round guy? Uh, the Ritter, the Ritter hype just keeps getting pushed up. It just keeps getting pushed up day by day as we get closer to the draft. I don't think it's any secret that the Steelers want a quarterback. They're a team that, uh, writes the draft pick right on their sleeve. They, everyone knows what, what they were going to do year in and year out. Everybody knew it was Najee Harris last year. Everybody knew they were going to be trading up for Devin Bush. Um, yeah. And so they're a team that isn't really secretive with what they what they want to do. I know they like Malik Willis. I mean, Mike Tomlin's at his pro day. They like Kenny Pickett, obviously natural fit right in Pittsburgh, and then um, and then Desmond Ritter's guy who after the combine, after the the offseason interviews where he's been able to talk to teams and really show um, what he's like as a person, um, not not only on the field and athletically, but off the field as well. Um, I think it's going to push him into the first round range, especially if these quarterbacks don't fall and he's the best one sitting there, I think the Steelers want to add another guy and bring in that competition for uh, for the I can see it. All right, taking a look as we continue to go along here with some of the other picks. We stopped. We had Zion Johnson, interior offensive line for the Patriots. Chris Olave for the Packers, giving them some sort of wide receiver talent for the quarterback that just paid into a lot of money. George for the Cardinals. Another edge going in this draft. It's just ridiculous. Cowboys trying to replace Amari Cooper, get a uh, you know a, a a multifaceted weapon in Traylon Burks. Bills getting Kair Alam, a cornerback, to try to go you know for their defense. Titans getting Devin Lloyd to try to make up for their linebacker that they lost in free agency. I know Jeff would probably be pretty excited about that because for the Titans, you know, this I mean, they at this point, 
you know, there's a couple. Uh, Kenyon Green still would be on the board. Maybe Tyler Smith would still be on the board. As their line is is at an odd point. It's still, I feel like, kind of topsy-turvy in terms of what's been going on with it, who's been leaving, who's still here. But the way that it looks right now, I mean, they don't have a super – they don't have a, a large bucket list of holes they got to fill. Maybe they could, you know – they have places that they, they can, you know, buff out, back end maybe, the cornerbacks, things like that. But so if you take a look at them, what do you think is kind of the, that pick, or the, those ranges, what do you think is kind of the most impactful there out of that six? The one that pops out to me the most is Traylon Burst going going to Dallas. I think him adding him alongside CD Lamb, an offense that was very explosive last year in the passing game. He's a guy that again, for a guy that's that that's that's that big, surprisingly agile, surprisingly athletic. I think a guy that's just overall probably the best overall athlete at that position this year coming out. Um, I like Chris Olave to Green Bay, but Chris Olave is more of a two. He's more he's more the, he's more of a number two receiver. So I mean, I don't think. They're solving their receiving needs with that pick it necessarily right there. But Traylon Burks, to me, is definitely the one that, st- that stands out out of these picks. Tyler, we were talking about if you want to give your two cents. We went from yes. the, uh, the Patriots to, uh, to Lloyd. Yeah, so um, I don't know what you guys were saying about Dallas. Uh, it's going to be real competitive in, the, in these areas of the draft and real pivotal for a lot of teams. The, the big name in the – late teens to through the 20s is going to be Zion Johnson. He's going to be the name to watch. Um, I know a lot of teams like him. Uh, he's going to be liked around the league, probably going to be the first interior offensive lineman taken. Um, and it wasn't that way that early on in the offseason, but just after his offseason process through the senior bowl, through more people seeing his film, he's really risen up boards and become a guy that Teams like teams like not only as an athlete with his natural ability to bend on the inside and, and be effective as a, as a both pass and run blocker has shown the ability to play center if needed. And I think he can. And there's a reason that he was tried there at the senior bowl because he's super smart. Um, you can see that in his pass sets and everything he does as a player um, has developed his technique and, and, um, and how he does things um, after transferring from Davidson to Boston College. has really taken that next step as I think a, a guy that's going to come in, play guard right away for for an offense and really change the run game and change um, and, and how teams rush on the interior by, um, you know, teams like to kick these these tweener rushers inside on third down and have them eat on the middle with, against these guards. Well, here's a guy that's going to come in, be a solid guard all around it and negate that um, on the inside and be better than a lot of a lot of guys. So think uh, think like a Rashawn Slater type projection with him, where it's not super flashy before the draft, not a lot of buzz. But hey, after his rookie year, everybody in the league would do would do a lot for Rashawn Slater right now if they could have him on their team. So Zion Johnson can be a solid pick. Um, Patriots obviously have had a good success with the offensive line picks. Dante Scarnecchia, who no longer is working with them, uh, does consult with them. With offensive line and stuff, and it's going to help them, uh, you know, make this pick a guy that was the, formerly their offensive line coach for a very long time. Um, they're they're going to have their guys from when they're taking back on when you in the sixth round, developing into a starter or uh, finding guys all over the board. So that's that's the big pick for me. I know if he doesn't go to the Patriots, he's not lasting long. Uh, but just to add to that, with uh, what you guys were talking about with the Cowboys and Burks. I think they're a team that's staying on the offensive side of the ball uh, with Burks here. They, you know, it's Dallas. They're going to draft the best player available. They're going to go with the flash. They're going to go with um, everything that Dallas encompasses. And after losing Amari Cooper, you know, that third receiver spot is a need. A receiver overall is a desperate need for them. But, hey, you get a guy like Trey, Traylon Burks in here who can play on the outside, he can play in the slot, which pairs really well with, D, or with CD. Um, you have yourself a, a whole new – plethora of weapons that's going to be even better than what it was before so um, those are my, two of my favorite picks that I, I would like to see happen in this range so rounding out the first round Kenyon Green to the Bucks, Boye Mafe I think I, I didn't butcher that to the Packers then the Chiefs with two back-to-back Jahan Dotson and Daxton Hill going you know both sides of the ball I mean if you're gonna have two you might as well in the first round then Tyler Smith to the Bengals to Get him to get Joey a much needed offensive lineman to help him out a little bit. And then Lewis Cine, kind, I don't know how to pronounce that last one there, to the Lions. What one sticks out to you there, uh, Tyler? 
Wow, man, this is going to be – this is always the, the wild part of the draft where these guys aren't first-round grades anymore. Uh, these guys are typically early second-round grades because that's just how it is. There's not 32 first-round grades in any class, especially this one. But these are guys that are deserved to be top 32 players. Um, there's, you know, they're going to have their warts all around. But I think really for this group of teams that are going to be competing, a lot of it really is based on need compared to anything else. I'll talk about the Bills pick with Kair Elam, a corner from Florida here. Um, you know, after losing Levi Wallace um, to the to the Steelers this offseason and already struggling at that position on the outside at corner in Buffalo, not to mention Tredavious White going to be missing some of the start of the season. They're desperate for a corner. Uh, they're a team that's going to be competing right away. And to get a guy on the outside that you can trust and you can play, um, play with – comfortably week in and week out and not have to game plan for your one weak link at corner is crucial to the Bills defense. It's going to let them a lot unlock a lot more on the middle parts of their defense where they don't have to roll coverage uh, to a one single corner where they're going to have two guys now that they can trust a good nickel in Teron Johnson. And it, Hey, maybe, maybe Kyrie Elam isn't this, um, this talented to be, uh, you know, the 25th pick in the draft, but, uh, but sitting there at 25, addressing the need in corner, it's not too far off. He's going to give you stability on the outside. So that's one that I'm, I'm like, all right, well, there's a lot of teams with needs in the first round, but it's like the Bills almost have to go corner at some point within the first two days. So then, you know, taking the time to jump way into the future, going even past the first day is, or so, give us a bit of a look at the Panthers' next pickup on the board and what you what you had for that one. Yeah, so uh, after the, if they do pick at six, get comfortable because they're not picking again for a while. So the next picks won't be till Saturday, and they pick at 137 next. And I have them going Rasheed Walker, a tackle from Penn State. So Rasheed Walker, I have as a third round grade. I think he's a really nice athlete, can play tackle, but I think he can also play guard if needed. Um, good overall athleticism and mobility that you like to see at the tackle position. Um, solid pass blocker, has a little bit of ways to go in the run game when it comes to pad level, violence, things like that. But in a third-round tackle, he's exactly what you picture, a guy that's going to be able to come in, not going to dominate right away. It's tackle. You're going to struggle early on, as we've seen plenty of times. But he's going to come in compete. Um, an athletic guy at that position gives you a ceiling where you can feel like you trust somebody. And at this point in the fourth round, I feel really good about that. And I know you guys would too. Oh, yeah. I mean, from looking at him and kind of setting up on him, I mean, going through three offensive systems, two different line coaches, you know, still starting 32 games in that time frame, and especially in a system that was more power-based running, you know, with those inside zones and, and dual co duo concepts that they would run. I mean, that's right up our that's right up our freaking alley. So I could, I'm not going to, you know, shy away from any sort of building, any sort of depth up at that position. I mean, if we go Malik, you know, at, at that first pick and regardless, honestly, of what we do with that first pick, if there's not a lineman in this draft, then I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing because I don't know where else you would want to look. The only things I think you could even, it would make sense to focus on would be quarterback lineman. And then I'm always going to fight for maybe defensive back safeties, but we've also got those in droves. So after that, you know, that, those two positions, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind if their next two picks or any other picks we have are still offensive linemen at that point in time. I, I, I really would not have that much issue with it. I know what Chauncey thinks. I know for me, it's just waiting again to, to address that position in the third round, just the same as you did last year. I, that's a tough one to swallow. And it's tough to think that they'll let, that many guys leave off the board without doing something to try to get back into at least the second round to try to try to grab another pick. But I mean, if if, if he if he's a guy that can fill a need for us, then so be it. Yeah, I mean, you already suffered from just waiting till the second round or the third round last year with Christensen, you know. So to see him do it again, I just at this like, I, I just at this point, it's I really don't know. So I know you know at that point, I think if we were to trade back, we'd have literally just one more trade throughout the year cj obviously that third round pick is what we basically used on him um and i know i think some of the some other picks went to sam regardless i can't remember which ones but so tyler talk about what that if we were not doing anything else and as it would stand what that last pick would be yeah so 
we got to assume at some point we're trading. We're, we're, it, maybe it won't be in the first round, but at some point there's going to be movement. There's going to be trades. Um, so that was pick 137. And we got the rest of it here that we could look at um, with the last four picks here. So I'll run through them real quick um, with that pick 144. So, hey, you're gonna we're going to wait a while to, until Saturday for their next pick. But they have picks 137, 144, and 149 if they don't trade. So there will be a lot of action right there um, in a row. So <clears> – <throat> At 137, I had him taking Rashid. At 144, I have him taking Joshua Azudu, a guard from North Carolina, going to be staying home. And pick 149, I have them taking Damone Clark, a linebacker from LSU. And at pick 199, I'm going to be ta- have him taking Mario Goodrich, corner from Clemson. And at 242, our last pick in the seventh round, I'm going to have them take running back Tyler Algier. So I'll talk a little bit about Mario Goodrich, a uh, corner from Clemson that I'm excited about, uh, you know, adding him and Azudu here, uh, two guys that are local, going to be able to come in and compete for, you know, mid to bottom of the roster spots. I think Azudu um, in the fifth round is a really good pick. The interior offensive line class, thankfully for us, is very deep. Um, Arguably, it's more deep than the receiver position. Uh, so adding these guards and centers in the mid-rounds is going to be something where teams will make a lot of money. Now, they're not all going to work out, but, hey, somebody's going to find a diamond in the rough at guard that's going to play a 10-, 15-year career, and nobody's going to have saw it coming because there's guys that can move real well, physical guys, different, all different kinds of guards that can play in today's game. And I think Joshua Zudu has a lot of those traits. Now, he's not a perfect prospect. He's got a lot of warts when it comes to technique, just experience, and – um, really playing within his own, but he's a good athlete. Um, there's something there with him um, with his nastiness and ability, you know, just to be a solid guard in the fifth round. I think we'll take that along with Mario Goodrich. The other guy I was referencing uh, Clemson corner who, um, you know, Hey, he played opposite Andrew Booth, uh, good twitch, good experience. And it was a solid starter. Not going to come out and blow you away. He's never going to be a number one corner by any means, but can come in and add competition to a room where it's kind of a it's kind of a weird vibe with our corners right now. You know, you know, you guys know what I mean. Like you got you got JC Horn coming back where like he was great, but he, there's still more to prove. Uh, it's like we we thought Stefan was coming back after we traded for him. Is he's not here? CJ Henderson, who we really didn't rely on much last year, is going to be counted on as a starter right away. And then it's your whole plethora of Keith Taylor and and the and Dante and. I mean, Dante will be – we know what Dante is at this point. But the, after Keith Taylor, the, I mean, those, the rest of those guys in the mix, so I think adding competition at the bottom of that corner depth is going to be key. No, yeah, and I'm just not realizing, especially at cornerbacks, we have a lot of juniors. We have CJ, we got Troy Pride, we got – and we got Keith. Yeah. Hey, that's just an odd thing to think of. I mean, no, you talk about the, the depth at, you know, interior offensive line, and, I mean, that's been our biggest issue. We know the – walking glass animals that are you know that are our two guards at the moment and we know how much that they like to rotate those positions so if we have guys that can play both those spots can try to fill a need when necessary because we ultimately know someone on our line is going to go down someone on our line is going to get injured and if they have the ability to play safe to play since or if they can switch from one of the two guards other positions and they can just bide some time you know so be it like it's never going to be that big of an issue um and cornerbacks uh, the same way, you know, uh, it, it's a weird situation to go into and with ev- which whatever they want to do with it, you know, I mean, with Melvin still and, and you know, not really understanding what they're doing in that in that regard. There's a lot of different things going on in the, in the cornerback room. We, we learned that when we talked, you know, uh, when, when we talked to him um, and we're talking about all of this, we learned, you know, kind of when we we're talking to Burris that this is the situation of the cornerback room and the defensive back room right now. So especially – and especially anyone coming in to Steve Wilkes, you know, room, I'm going to feel better about the way he's the way he he leads. Um, the running back is interesting. The running back is interesting, especially with you know the way we went in the free agency, and then you know with the big room we had there at the end of the year with Abdullah, and 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 you know and having um, and Chubin all of them as well. So I'd be interested to throw another running back in in the mix. Talk a little bit about him. Yeah, so Tyler Algier at the end, not a need really at all. I know we have we have McCaffrey, we have Foreman, we have Chuba. Um, but in the seventh round, you just got to take the best player there. And I think Tyler Algier, uh, value him a lot higher than this. Uh, you know, seventh round picks usually don't – not always a lot to make the roster. So figure, hey, 
Running back injuries, they're very common. You never know when they could happen. So, hey, maybe we don't take him into the year. Maybe he's a practice squad player. But I think the talent's there to see the field, um, even in his rookie year. Um, bigger, more power back, which is something that we've um, always kind of felt we would be good to add ever since we had McCaffrey. So with him, I'm happy to add him in the seventh round. It's really not a position of need. But, hey, if he's a guy that can contribute in his rookie year at running back and you feel good about him going forward, I think that's a risk you're willing to take, especially in the seventh round where, you know, think about our seventh round picks from the past. Stanley Thomas Oliver, guys like that, really hasn't worked out great. Um, so it's like, well, let's just take the best player available. Tyler Algeo, add him into the mix. So, Tease, what I want to know from you as we look throughout all of this, what is the biggest thing you're – the biggest question you're looking to have answered? coming out of this out of this trial the big well obviously i mean the biggest question we have to answer is going to be the core the quarterback position and so whether we drive the quarterback or not we'll still know we'll still have more clarity about what we about the least direction that we want to head in in that in that light and i guess the only other thing is like you said i mean adding depth along the offensive line our guards were some of the worst that some of some of the worst in the league so adding depth there and Re-upping that offensive line is going to be critical for me. But, yeah, I think mainly uh, – mainly that I want to see is just, you know, the direction that we take. Well, I, I want I, – I'll know a lot more about this team depending on the direction that we take in the draft. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't have said any better myself. This draft is going to set the tone for the next year, where we're at, where we think our roster is good enough, and it's – it's going to be interesting to see how we value the draft, how, 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 our, how our front office and coaches see um, this class of guys that we've been pondering for the last couple of months. Do they love a quarterback? Do they not? Every single team in this year's draft, um, especially um, with the whole COVID year, teams have been doing a great job at, in keeping things more quiet where, hey, there's a lot of in a lot of these years before COVID, we heard a lot more. Um, a lot more rumors and I had a lot more of an idea what was going to happen when when teams were more virtual and not uh, mingling together. They learned not to, um, you know, have that that little chat with each other that ends up getting something leaked out. So I think that's something that teams and uh, play, uh, workers within NFL organizations have kind of learned from COVID is that you can keep the tight lips and it's going to help your organization overall. And it just builds trust um, from the top down with those guys making those picks. So. Uh, it's 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 a crapshoot at this point of what's going to happen. It's going to be fun to watch, but it's going to be so important for the Panthers' um, success in the future going forward. And 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 that's what scares me the most. That is what scares me the most. You're doing it, you know, with a, a small amount of picks spread out, you know, and and a lot of there's a not a a big margin for error, and and that's what concerns me is not having that margin of error. You're going to be you know, really high press to make sure you, you, you're thinking about everything. And that's been an issue with this team in the past is thinking things through, not thinking through decisions from the very get-go, from the beginning of the ten, of, of Tepper's tenure, that has been an issue for this for this organization is, is, is thinking things through. So I'm interested to see how it goes. I'm going to try to keep an open mind throughout because we've seen in the past, Tyler, I've been, uh, Tyler and I have been talking about it. I'll, I'll think one way about a pick and then, I'll, I'll go to Tyler and be like, well, you know, I can like it. I'm like, all right, well, but maybe there's a reason why we should like it. And then that translates to on the field as well. So it will be interesting to see where it, where it kind of falls as we watch tomorrow night. Um, we're going to have, you know, reactions as we go through. Of course, the next episode right after, we're going to be fan insight. You know, um, anyone who would want to come on afterwards to give their insight, hit us up. We'll love to have you on to talk about it because the draft is obviously a very, you know, it's a very polarizing thing to talk about. So, We'd love to hear y'all's thoughts, and we'll be giving our own analyzation as the night goes along. So be sure to tune in for that kind of stuff as we go through that. But of course, until then, you know, unless unless Tyler and Chinese have anything more, I think all you can do is is keep waiting and keep out.